The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hi there, I'm Rebecca Lowe. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Paul Burmeister, Robbie Earl, Robbie Musto. Robbie, Liverpool was the headline coming in. Yeah. They get the win. Yeah. How do they look in doing so? Um, we said before the game this could be a banana skin and that, that Brighton have possession of the ball and can be a dangerous opponent. I thought they dealt with it impeccably. And I, I go back to the culture of the football club, and, and I often use this word culture. It's about what's expected on a game-by-game -game basis. And they were driven on by a manager today who was on the, who was on the sideline who knew the importance of what this game was about. And Jurgen Klopp was continually asking more of his players, driving more of his players. And Luis Diaz is a great example of, of, of somebody who's come into a football club and understands the culture of what hard work, of what focus and winning is all about. And I thought that was a really impressive performance by Liverpool today. Paul, you asked me at half-time, you know, what Liverpool have done, what they should do. And I said, the only thing that they have to, to, to be a little bit careful of is is they're so comfortable. We've just seen there the manager driving on and they drove really well in the second half. They forced that second goal, the penalty that they scored. They tried to score more goals. That's what I think the Liverpool fans would have wanted to see sitting at home watching that game. Go on then, go and score another goal and they did and it all does come from that man and, uh, and Luis Diaz, yeah, particularly good as well. Eight game winning run, six clean sheets in that period. Yeah. They're in real good shape right now. And bottom line, only three points away from Man City at the top of the table. Jürgen, you expected a complicated challenge, but you came through it. What did you make of that performance? Oh, good. We, we were good, but um, we knew, and I said it before, that, that Brighton is a really good team and can cause real problems. That's what we signed up in the beginning. Again, we obviously in the last few games we need to get used to opponent because they 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 um, try to adapt a lot to us, so try to cause us problems in areas where. They think they can hurt us, and um, so um, in the moment when we started playing, when we took the ball to the ground and, and, and started playing again, the extra pass, um, switched aside, um, all these kind of things, then um, we were really, really strong and um, scored a great goal um, and had other moments, obviously, really good moments after after uh, we were winning the ball and um, massive chances where we didn't miss the final pass. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy, and I know the last period I would have loved to control it even more. But it's an intense period for the boys, and um, sometimes it's, one, it's only one challenge uh, where um, but the, the opponent used the body slightly smarter in that moment there in front of the goal. And um, Ali deserves his clean sheet really, really himself in a lot of moments. So that's uh, that's good. We have him, and we use him. Um, so it was the expected very difficult game and I'm really happy with big parts of the performance and even more so with the result. Luis Diaz, we know he's a live wire, but he's brave as well. That was a brave header, wasn't it? 
Yeah, but it's actually what a striker has to do. Um, and he, he did really well. Yeah, he, okay. He knows obviously he's probably the only person who knows exactly how quick he is, so he knows he can get there. Um, and I didn't see it back yet, but it was already spectacular enough. In, in, in just in, in, in the first moment when I saw it, to getting in there with the head is 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 really is brave, but the right thing to do as well because you can if you can get in front of the goalie, you have to try it, and that's what he did. Great goal. Was he lucky to stay on the pitch, the bright goalkeeper? I don't know. I, did, I saw it only once, but it was discussion, and then um, I, I have no idea. Fair enough. I mean, I do you think was he? I think if you're pushing me to my yes, I, I'm surprised. Okay. I'm at least surprised that they didn't go to check it on the monitor because that would have been the more sensible review. But yeah, okay. it was. It looked reckless to me, but hey, <laughs> we'll see. Um, he had a hold on the game after that, after the opening goal. That pretty much you took control for a while, and then it took Mo Salah just to almost kill the game off, really. Yeah, but we had we had situations before that. Um, yeah, then we had the penalty, but it was a good football situation. So we, we then were really around their box. We did exactly what we wanted to do to put them there under pressure, win the ball back high, uh, and go again. And that was a situation. I think we, we had a, we had a, a really good um, few passes, a finish, and then uh, Nabi, I think, was it um, with a really good shot. To be honest, um, handball penalty. Yes, it's fine. And then again, uh, we had our we had our chances. We had massive counter attacks, all these kind of things which we didn't use. It's it's fine. Again, I'm 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 really not overly critical with the boys in these moments because we have to um, we, we have to see as well. Um, consistency is is the most difficult thing in football, but the most exhausting as well. So here as well, not only for the body um, and that's why there are moments when I, I would wish we had m really more concentration, more focus and could control it better, but um, how is that? Um, I think we deserved it, clear to win the game and that was all we were here for and um, so I'm really happy We saw Mo, come, Mo Salah come off early uh, injury there <laughs> We will see, uh, he thinks it's not serious but you can see when Mo Salah is Sitting down, and um, something is not 100% right. And um, I think it was the situation before when he hit the ball and got blocked. So, like when he, when he wanted to shoot and got blocked, and I think the foot got slightly overstretched. Um, we have to see. You've avoided calling it a, a title race. <laughs> you still no, no, no. We don't avoid it. We, but we, it's not our it's not our job to, to really to, to, to call it like that because um, it's always the same. City plays. I don't know exactly when. Um, Monday, I think it's because eight o'clock is probably Monday. Yeah. Um, and you expect them just to win the games when you see them playing. You expect them to win the games, and as long as we are behind them, um, it's, we don't really feel it. The only thing what we really feel is that we that we want to win football games, and um, as many as somehow possible. And I can see that in, in the boys' faces, in the body language, all these kind of things. We are ready for that. This race doesn't need a name for us. We just want to win as many football games as possible. Thank you, Jürgen. Welcome. <laughs> 2-0, the final. Brentford wins. Final minutes. We saw both of those goals. The first one, the connection, guys, from Ericsson to Tony. Thing of beauty. We were crying out, and the game cried out for some quality. We said, that is there a little bit of quality in the game that can decide this one? There was quality, and no surprise it comes from Christian Eriksen. Absolutely magnificent ball off his weaker side, right into the head of Ivan Tony Robbie, a, a thing of beauty. And I think some people, Rob, thought, because Tom's Frank's Danish, and we knew Eriksen, the history from the past, that, you know, he, he was just doing him a favour, bringing him back into football. But Thomas Frank knows this guy brings... An extra level of quality that could be important. And that game is a game changer for Brentford Football Club. That game pretty much guarantees. That cross. That, 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 that right. cross, that minute bit, that yeah. little bit of quality. Guarantee, almost, almost guarantees, guarantees you Premier yeah. League survival. Nine points clear at this point. You feel yeah. pretty comfortable saying that's where they are. A newly promoted team to have 30 points with 11 games to go, you probably need one win, two or three draws. And you're good to go. And, and Brentford have earned the right to enjoy now the, the, this last period of the season because they started well, have had a, a bit of a dip in between, but come good when it matters. Burnley, other side, they've never been relegated, though. They missed another chance to find their way to safety. Yep. You look at their immediate future and what do you see now? <sighs> I see it difficult. I said, it, I said this back in, in, uh, in Christmas with the way that they play. The signings gave encouragement. Veghorst coming in, looked okay. Cornet's got a few goals in him. But Sean Dyche is so set with a grinding. You know, there was times balls going in the box there, Rob, where there's not enough of their players in the box to score. And they had two great chances to, to win themselves. 
In Dutch, we trust. Kinder, kinder. You heard that a few times in that side <laughs> of the table. Ivan, obviously every win is great, but does that feel like a really big one given who you were playing? Yeah, a massive one. Um, I think you see the celebrations at the end. It meant a lot to us. Uh, every win's very important at this uh, moment of the season and uh, I felt massive. Great header from you, but tell me about that ball in from Christian. <laughs> player that quality, you expect that. <laughs> Left, right, fully, pull on the plate for you. And it's up to you to put it in the back of the net. And, uh, I've done that too. I think that was my first shot on target <laughs> the whole game. So it just shows you've got to stay uh, concentrated on uh, throughout the game. And when you've got a player like that around you, then it's delightful. It just looked like it was absolutely begging to be headed in. <laughs> yeah, I think I could have missed. Just run into it and it goes in the corner. <laughs> And yeah, thankfully it went in and it was, it was a deserved three points in the end. And then the second goal, you won the penalty. Did you think that it was a red card offence as well? Um, I didn't know, but I just knew I was going to put it in the back of the net. That's all I was worrying about. But uh, I felt like it was a bit harsh, but obviously the rest got something to do and uh, he decided to send him off. And yet another of those penalties where no run-up, you slot it away. How do you do it? Um, just stay, stay calm and collective and uh, put it in the back of the net. And I've done that today. Just tell me about the scenes at the end. Do you think that you know you're nearly there now in terms of safety, given that win? Uh, even if we are nearly there, we don't concentrate on that. We just keep want to keep winning. We want to keep winning and uh, finish as high, high as possible. And uh, that's the mentality we have in this dressing room. We're not looking to just scrape it and uh, just um, escape relegation. We want to finish in the top half and high as possible. So let's keep going and see who knows where we can end up. Top man, thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Cheers. Better stop scoring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Shall I just carry on, or do you want to? Yeah. Jonathan Beck with Ivan Tony for Sky Sports. <laughs> Ivan, that's quite a, a smile and quite a celebratory atmosphere around here. What does that feel like? Yeah, it was a massive win. I feel like uh, Burnley, they're a strong side. Uh, we know we know how they play. It was always going to be tough against them, but I felt like we uh, we dug in well and. Uh, in the end, of the deserve three points. You left it late again. You know, Brentford have, have come up with the goods in the last ten minutes when it comes to winning goals, and you did it again. Just talk us through that one. I think it shows the fitness levels throughout the team and uh, the quality we have in, in the dressing room. Obviously, like, like, like we, know, we all know, Christian Eriksen, left, right foot, he'll put on the plate for you, and it's up to you to put in the back of the net. And I feel like you got to stay uh, switched on. You get one chance, and I put it in the back of the net, and it was, it was an enjoyable three points, I must say. Your manager said after the Norwich game that you are right now the, the best penalty taker in the world. <laughs> you did it again. Ah, no pressure. Cheers, Gaffer. <laughs> now, nah, obviously, uh, I, feel, I feel confident uh, in front of goal at the moment, especially with penalties. Uh, I just I practice them um, day in, day out on the training pitch. So when I, when I get my opportunity, I feel confident that I'm going to put it in the back of the net. And I've done that today and it helps get three points. Yeah, that technique is, is obviously working for you really well that you use. Yeah, obviously it takes it takes uh, it takes time on practicing, and I do it like I say I do it in training. It's 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 a tough one to execute, but I feel like I'm confident doing it and bringing Brian onto it as well. So when I'm not available, I'm sure he will take over and uh, put it in the back of the net. Do you think it, it was a penalty because you won it yourself? Oh uh, yeah, I thought like it was. Obviously, I felt him just run straight into the back of me. Um, and obviously, the ref's got a decision to make whether it's a yellow or red card, and he decided to send the most. So obviously. Uh, that's up to the ref and my job is just to put the ball in the back of the net. I know you won't feel that you're safe yet, but how close do you think you might be? Oh, we don't really look at that. we just got to concentrate on winning the next game, uh, finish high as possible. Uh, we, want to, we want to win against uh, Leicester next week and uh, if we do that, then I'm sure we, we've got a great chance of finishing higher in the table. Sort through there and pick out what you find to be the most important. Statistically, what both sides did in an excellent match to watch. Bottom line... United wins and Cristiano Ronaldo with another hat trick. Let's go out to Old Trafford where we find Arlo and Graham. Guys, the energy here in the studio was fantastic all this way away. I can imagine how much fun it was uh, taking it in from where you were. Arlo, what will be your top takeaway from what you just saw? 
Well, we've witnessed something truly remarkable today, Paul. It is his 59th career hat-trick, Cristiano Ronaldo. It's his first as a 37-year-old. And (laughs) he he was all the the talk in Manchester before the derby when he wasn't in the 18. And then he he turned up in Portugal a couple of days uh, there at home, a hip flexor problem, perhaps. I mean, what separated him? He's an extraordinary player. But what separated him today from perhaps the Ronaldo we've seen so far this year? A week off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got to do that more often. No, there was definitely a, 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 an urgency about the way he played, a desire. You know, at that level, you take everything personally. So he'd have been really upset about not playing last week if that's what happened, if it wasn't an injury, if he was dropped. He'd be upset about any criticism that he gets. And what great players do and great sports people do is they turn that anger and put in performance and there was, a, there was a, a desire and a determination in the way he played. We saw it with the third goal. Um, just that determination to get there before anyone else. And physically, he's such an incredible athlete that, as I said in the commentary, that, that ability to score lots of different types of goals. And, of course, he doesn't have the mobility mm. and the explosiveness that he maybe had to do it consistently, but he's clever and his timing is great. And... He was a massive asset for Manchester United today with the, with the three goals. Yeah. But but the way he handled himself and he felt I think he felt like he'd done his job when he came off. He didn't have the hump, did he? That was no. missing before. Why do Manchester United require those sorts of performances from Cristiano Ronaldo? Well, because I think I, I don't think they they're prepared to keep the pressure on the opponent for long enough. You know, they go one 0 up and then they go they sort of go to a sort of a passive holding pattern. They've got enough quality on that pitch to be more direct, more positive and keep putting the pressure on the opponent um, once they go a goal ahead. And I think that's what makes his role so important um, is that he seems to be that player that is prepared to be positive all the time Mm. and do something that's a bit more direct and try to get that outcome. Okay, a memorable performance by... Cristiano Ronaldo, the FIFA world record goal scorer for club and country, and we were there to witness it. Big three points as well for United. Let's hear from Paul Pogba. Well, Paul, off camera, you've just been watching back the winning goal. What would you say about the team, but also, in particular, Ronaldo this evening? No, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, I think that's, that's all we needed, a reaction, and the way we did it today as a team, everyone at it, um, with beautiful goals, beautiful reaction, even when we conceded a goal and we just came back and we score again, the mentality was uh, was there today. Does it help having someone as good in front of goal as Cristiano is? <laughs> I mean, everybody knows Cristiano. I mean, I cannot. There's no need to talk about him. You know, that's that's what he does. Uh, um, he wasn't there last game. He comes back. You know, playing three goals. Everybody's happy. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say about the reaction? You've touched on it already. The reaction across the board after what happened against Man City. No, it was it was good today. I think it was good. You see, you can hear the fans. I mean, the fans were pushing goals, and even the fans were feeling it. I think today was a, a very good performance as a team, um, and a very good reaction from the from City. Did yeah. you fear the worst at two-two when they equalised? <sighs> to be honest, no, 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 no. We I can't believe, we can't believe, you know, we stopped playing for some reason when, the, when we conceded the, the second goal and uh, we just went back again, back playing because that's, I mean, we're good at this and uh, we have to trust ourselves and we can hurt them anytime. Why do you think that was then? Because it was, it was almost similar against City. It looked like a performance that was fading until, obviously, yeah. Cristiano pops up with a winner. Um, no, I don't know. I cannot tell you that myself, but you're going to have to look at the, the game and video again with the, with the manager, with the team, to see what we can do better and what we didn't do uh, uh, good today or what we should do better on the second half. I mean, I think uh, second half, like, we didn't get the, the through pass, the... Um, the nice passing, the keep the ball, the movement, I think, wasn't there. Um, he lost few balls also by myself, like few balls when uh, we should have kept it. And we just gave him a bit of confidence. I think that's why they score. But um, after we start playing again and we go to a corner, corner, and score this uh, winning goal. What will this do for the atmosphere around the club, Paul? You've already referenced the atmosphere created among the fans, so among the fans and in the dressing room. It's a boost. It's a boost. Um, like I, like I said, we needed that. 
we needed that to go again. It was uh, the game today just to go back because we won top four and uh, they were the, the opponent that uh, were looking for the top four also. So it was a good game and a good win for us today. Well played. Thank you. Thank you. The three goals for Ronaldo will get a lot of headlines, but I, I don't think it should come before how massive the three points yeah. are for this team. I think so. And after last weekend where they got absolutely the team and the club and everybody concerned got hammered, absolutely battered by everybody in the media. We had a go. Former players in the UK hammered them for not caring, for giving up. So first of all, well done. Good, good spirit, good character. Wasn't perfect. You know, and Pogba talks about it there. They went ahead in the game three times. And each time... They then got a little cautious, a little nervy. Maybe understandable. A United that is at its fully best is going to go on and dominate and try and, you know, in a safe way, try and secure the game much easier. So that, it wasn't perfect. But I just thought, you know, well done. I mean, even Harry Maguire, he's the last person, he scores an own goal. You know, things go against this team. And everybody, including us at times, are quick to jump on Manchester United. But credit's due today. Again, I thought at halftime that Spurs had every chance to come back and maybe win the game. But they held on, and, they, and when they needed it, now we get on to the man himself, the big, the big game player that is Cristiano Ronaldo. Just before we get there, Rob, though, on the bigger picture, there's still an issue and there's still a lot of work to do about the game management for Manchester United when they are up or when they are in a position, because to me it still doesn't seem like they're that comfortable with the ball to have the ball to stop the opposition, like a Man City might do, or they're that defensively good, maybe like Chelsea in the past, where you can sit back and say, you're not going to get a goal. But, but, but offer a threat, but a real a threat, threat on that the didn't come. Attack. But... When you've got a guy like Cristiano Ronaldo in your football club, you have something special. You have greatness. And this guy's greatness comes from these big players who kind of like the moment and that. This guy craves the pressure and the moment. And today we saw three finishes, three very different finishes, but three finishes that tell you everything about this guy. The first one is just pure natural ability and there's some people who can do that and some people can't this one's about his driving desire to get in there and get those six yard boxes and then Robbie his physicality mm. to jump at 37 to hold himself in the air body and mind in 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 sync mental focus and today he he basically put that football team that football club on his shoulders and he made sure they got three points do you know what I enjoyed as much as anything Watching him, and I'm pretty sure we haven't got it right now, but him walking off the field, Rob, mm -hmm. with an expression of, that's what I do. Mm -hmm. There was no kind of smiles and like, God, oh, what an amazing game I had. He walked off, he claps the fans, and his face was all business. Like, that's what we've got to do. The mentality of this guy. Mm -hmm. And we talk about goats. Well, yeah, we actually have got it now. And I just looked at his face. Look at his face. Yeah, there's a little wink. But that's what I do. Like, there's well, no big celebration. There's no big fist pumping, Rob. It's a great, it's a great shout, Rob. And, and, and if you're Sancho, if you're Rashford, if you're Ilanga, if you're McTominay, you should be watching this and learning like, and, and, yeah. and, and, and replicating what this guy does and is about week in, week out, because that, that is greatness. And, and, and they're fortunate to be around it. There, there, there could be some argue, right, who's the best player that's ever played. Which, you know, whichever your style is, a Messi or Maradona or Pele or whatever... I don't know whether we've seen a player with a, with a strong a mental attitude and a drive and a desire to get the job done in a single game, in a single season. It's all about winning. He wants to win trophies. At 37 years of age, that's what I bow down to, like that continued drive to succeed. It's amazing. It wasn't just the questions about his team. Those are the big ones. But think about how people were speaking about him a week ago yeah, when he wasn't yeah. in the lineup. Mm. Hip injury created a lot of questions. And uh, so the... The team pushes the feeling There's a mental strength so then, that comes in as well. There's a mental strength that, that has to say, exactly. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to show people and prove wrong. And those people won't be talking quite so, so loudly but, this but, week. But there was talk that he went off to Portugal. Yeah. Mm. He didn't support his teammates. He had an injury. And, you, you know, I think the lads would have preferred him to be there. I mean, a, week's, a, week's, a lot of things can change in a week and from game to game. And I think everybody's seen there in a high-profile game that the tag of being the or... The, if not close to being the greatest of all time, is, is justified. Well, Ralph, there's always a Cristiano Ronaldo question. Hopefully you'll understand it this evening. How good was your match winner this evening? Well, at least since I arrived, his best performance, but not only because he scored three goals, two brilliant goals. Um, also, the second one was a perfect uh, um, 
vertical ball from Nemanja Matic and the best possible ball square played from from Jaden. But he was also energetically he, he was good really today. Uh, Cristiano he was part of the whole team uh, when we had to defend and we had to defend a lot. So uh, yeah, top performance by him, but also by the rest of the team. So after all the noise of the last week and surrounding Derby Day, did you have? half an idea that that Cristiano Ronaldo might show up this evening, that he would play that well? Well, I didn't expect him to score three goals, but I expected him to score. That's why I decided to play him, although he only resumed for training on Thursday. But uh, also his training uh, session on Thursday was uh, so good that I decided to bring him from the, st- from the start and not have him on the bench. And in the end, it was uh, the right decision. It certainly was. So did you have half a mind to start him as a substitute until you saw that training session? Well, he didn't train for a week, uh, and I was not sure if he, if his hip flexor was 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 good enough uh, to to let him play. I had a conversation with him uh, before the training session on Friday, and he told me that he's yeah, fully fit, that he can play, uh, and that's why he he started. He was in the starting eleven. Okay. So, what did you make of the the whole team this evening? How good was the performance? Did you think? Yeah, it was exactly the kind of reaction that we expected uh, from the team after the poor performance in the second half against City. Um, coming back after two equalizers uh, also showed the right mentality. We were really aggressive in those moments and also defended well in the last uh, seven, eight minutes. Um, and in the end, I think we deserved to win. Yeah, you said you wanted an angry performance. You said that beforehand. Was that an angry performance? Yeah, I think it, it was at least... Aggressive enough uh, um, in the vital moments, uh, I think we showed the desire to 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 win that game. And uh, that, what, what was it all? What was it about in today's game? I, I told them before the game, the team who wants that win more will, in the end, uh, be successful. Were there still areas that you didn't like? Areas for improvement? Yes, I mean we had moments in the first half in possession. I think we were really good in the first half, but uh, we just allowed them too many moments when they just uh, easily got into our own penalty box, um, and that could have been better. But uh, without Bruno, without uh, Scott McTominay, it was not so easy uh, in midfield, uh, and therefore in in possession we were good in the first half, but uh, in possession of Tottenham we could have done better. Also, how concerned were you at two two because you? just been ready to make a change, hadn't you? Victor Lindelof had been stood there and obviously yeah, they the equalise and all the plans go out the window. Uh, yeah, because the ball didn't go out uh, in the very moment we wanted to bring him on as a, as a, as a third centre-back. Uh, they, they scored the second goal um, and then I decided to bring on uh, Edison Cavani as a second striker because we needed to win. Uh, but uh, yeah, we got the second chance to to do that, to make that substitution, and we did it immediately after Cristiano scored the third goal. So you said that we needed to win, and you have how big a victory is that? Yeah, it's a big victory. But as I said, we we had to win that game today today in order to be to stay in competition for the fourth place in the table, and it will also give us a big boost for the game on Tuesday. Just one more on Cristiano Ronaldo, if I may. How much have you enjoyed? managing him because he's obviously a fantastic player he's helped win you the game this evening but he's also a big character and a big voice in your dressing room and I imagine at times that's challenging yeah it is challenging and uh, it's a, it is a challenge with uh, with a player like him but he showed today that uh, that he's still got the quality to to play for a club like Manchester United and uh, but he's also a part of the team and uh, if we want to be successful at the end of the season we can only do it together okay thanks for your time well Thank done you. It's the story that's dominated the Premier League and really world football over the last 72 hours. On Thursday, Chelsea's longtime Russian owner Roman Abramovich was sanctioned by the UK government due to what it calls his, quote, close relationship with Russia's president, Vladimir Putin. The government froze Abramovich's assets, this coming after there were calls for him to face sanctions since the beginning of the ongoing war in Ukraine. And as you might imagine, the sanctions have had a massive impact on Chelsea. Among the implications, the club cannot buy or sell players, offer new contracts, or sell new tickets or merchandise. However, the government did publish a license which authorized a number of football-related activities to continue. That includes playing games. We saw Chelsea win at Norwich on Thursday. They can also continue to pay players and staff. Existing ticket holders can still attend games. And they're allowed to spend just over $26,000 per match for travel to and from away games. 
Following this story throughout has been our Premier League insider, David Ornstein. David, can you bring us up to date with the latest developments? Paul, there has been a huge amount of conversation over this massive story. But I think one thing we need to make clear to our audiences and people watching all over the world is that this really is a terribly serious crisis for Chelsea. It's an existential threat, if we're to be honest, because if it doesn't get resolved imminently, Chelsea will essentially run out of money because they, Roman Abramovich's asset, has been frozen. And the restrictions that have been placed upon them, some of which you mentioned there, are onerous. They're extremely tight and they are crippling Chelsea Football Club. Now, the government has amended that license that you mentioned to allow a little bit more money to come through. They're allowed to spend more on match days, for example. And negotiations continue to potentially, if Chelsea get their way, allow signings, allow sales in the summer transfer window beyond this license, which expires on the 31st of May, to renew contracts. Because otherwise they could be going into next season without a defence, essentially, because they've got three players, Cesar Aspilicueta, Antonio Rudiger and Andreas Christensen out of contract. And so they want some element of flexibility. I think from their perspective, they're saying, why don't you let us do a bit more of this? Why don't you let us sell um, tickets for matches to bring some revenues in to allow us to continue operating? This money is not going to go to Roman Abramovich. It's not going to fund the war uh, that Russia are waging in Ukraine. But the government, and this is underlined by their actions, um, clearly think that is a realistic threat because they're not holding up. They are not letting uh, go of that stranglehold they've got over Chelsea for now. Let's see what the coming days bring when those talks continue. And one thing we need to make clear is this really is now all about the sale. And the sale is not clear. There are a lot of grey areas. Essentially, the government of Great Britain are getting into uncharted territory. They have not seized Chelsea. They have frozen the assets of Roman Abramovich. Chelsea is still his. And therefore, although he has given the green light for the sale process to proceed, he is technically still involved in this with Rainbank of New York overseeing the process. And I think their priority will be to find the right buyer and then to recommend them to the British government, who will then have to issue a new license that will allow the sale to go through if they think it is the right one for Chelsea. But they can't just strip this at this moment in time from Roman Abramovich. And therefore, technically, he could say, well, I'm going to stick around. I'm going to see if these restrictions and sanctions get lifted on me and then it's still mine. I still want to say in this process, all the messages coming out from his camp are that he is going to cooperate with this and he does want the best interests of Chelsea served. And I think perhaps the government are really putting the squeeze on him and testing that and saying, well, in an ideal world, then, if you really care about Chelsea Football Club, hand it over for nothing and let us get on with the sale process and decide where it goes to. But that's the big question at the moment. There's been a lot of talk about where exactly that money will go. Well, as things stand, if Chelsea are sold, that money, we assume, will be frozen like everything else coming into the club. And then how can it be used? Well, I think the government would look to uh, bring a buyer in and say to that buyer, you can inject money in, you can uh, have the restrictions lifted and Chelsea can get back to an element of normality. But what happens with the sale proceeds that we have mentioned before? Well, um, the message coming out from various quarters, the government, even the government of Ukraine, is that these proceeds should go to war victims, maybe the disasters emergency fund. Roman Abramovich has pledged the proceeds, the net proceeds, to go to victims of the war. He didn't specify which victims. But how long will he have a say in this matter? How long will it all go on? And the longer it goes on, guys, Chelsea don't have sources of income. They cannot sell match day programs. They've lost some of their sponsors, like the uh, front of shirt sponsor, three telecommunications. Hyundai have also walked away. There have been questions about Nike, but we think that they're going to stand firm for the time being. Now, payday for the players is the 1st of April. Let's see 
if they get to that point in the current condition and if they are able to pay their players. We think they will be because the government has allowed some of the television revenues and the European Champions League prize money to be paid to Chelsea. But this is a deeply concerning issue by the minute, by the hour, by the day. There are people at Chelsea who don't know what is going on. And these are high powered people who are responsible for decision making on a day to day basis. The travel budget restriction of £20,000 for away matches has not been changed as things stand. Now, there's a feeling that if they get through in the Champions League past Lille, a trip that has already been paid for, then they will struggle to pay for the next round if the restrictions are not eased. How will they get to Middlesbrough next weekend in the FA Cup? Because normally you would fly there and that would cost more than £20,000. Will the players be dipping into their own pockets? What does the future hold for those players and their contracts? Will Chelsea be deemed in breach of them? Will they see some of those players free to walk away? Will Thomas Tuchel remain as manager? I'm told that he wants to remain. And if this sorts itself out, he will remain. But if it's not sorted out, what will happen with him? Now, I've got to say to you that for many years, there were people watching Chelsea under the ownership of Roman Abramovich. And for all they were winning and progressing and all the good things that he was doing for that club... They were saying, what if the rug is taken from beneath the feet of Chelsea by Roman Abramovich? Then the house of cards will fall down. But then you would turn to people inside the club who said that will never happen. He's committed to this club. He will always stick around. But it's come full circle. And now the rug has been taken from beneath Roman Abramovich's feet by the UK government. And it leaves Chelsea in this doomsday scenario that must be sorted with immediate effect. I can't stress that enough for their financial future. Now, one of the potential buyers, Nick Candy, has released a statement saying he will be at the match today at Stamford Bridge um, and that he is prepared to um, admit a fan representative to the board if he is to take over, that he's prepared to put funds up to help them through this current crisis. All well and good saying that in public, but people we speak to say he's an unlikely buyer. It's going to take much more wealth. And that's why you're seeing US investors coming to the fore, part of consortiums. Even Saudis have been mentioned, Turkish as well. There are no shortage of interested parties in Chelsea, but they need to put their best foot forward now. They need to get this deal done with the British government, with Rainbank and with Roman Abramovich, because his era is coming to an end. But is Chelsea's existence coming to an end? They will certainly hope not. David, thank you. All of this with Chelsea and Roman Abramovich has renewed calls of criticism towards other ownership groups, including that of Chelsea's opponents today, Newcastle. You may remember their takeover back in October when a consortium consisting of Saudi Arabia's public investment fund bought the club from Mike Ashley. The takeover came under controversy due to concerns surrounding the repressive human rights record of Saudi Arabia, including the killing of journalist Jamal Khashoggi in 2018 and its actions in Yemen. It's under this backdrop. The two teams will meet a little bit later today in West London. Arlo White, Lee Dixon, and Graham Lasseau will have the call from Stamford Bridge. Arlo, hello. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, everybody. Um, gentlemen, Paul provided the context uh, behind the ownership sh- uh, sh- situations of both Chelsea and at Newcastle United. It's fair to say when Roman Abramovich bought Chelsea in 2003, it changed the entire landscape of English football and European football. The same could be said in the future at Newcastle United. Graeme, firstly, what is the bigger conversation that has to be had about the ownership of football clubs? Well, this fixture exposes an uncomfortable truth, doesn't it, about the process and tests around ownership in in British football. It extends way beyond football. It extends into the the way and the the processes of 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 money coming into this country and businesses uh, oligarchs coming into into this country for many many years now. So it's not solely a football problem, but it is really f- this this particular situation we're in at Chelsea now is really focused. I think minds on what those processes are and what should have been done in the past that is now having to be done um, and, and Premier League and the, 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 the fit and proper persons tests around ownership, they're all being exposed to be pitiful in terms of how they operate. And the English game, we've all benefited from it. Um, and Lee and I were privileged enough to play you know, in the beginning of the Premier League and, and, and get those sort of rewards. But at the same time, it's become so focused on 
the guy with the biggest wallet gets the chance to be mm-hmm. successful. And you, you have to look at clubs in the whole and look at the fans, the players, the, the communities they represent and try to figure out what is more important. Is it, is it more important just to have anyone coming in and buying a football club and then ex- exposing the football club to what Chelsea are going through now because of a lack of proper diligence and understanding of the whole picture of some of these owners against running a club that's sustainable, fulfilling for the fans and has an identity that people can relate to? That's what we're seeing. And, and my word, what a fixture to, to, mm. to see two teams that have both got incredibly questionable... Um, situations surrounding the investments in some respects they're pushing it an open door when you arrive with a blank checkbook with fan bases Chelsea had won one title it was 1955 before Roman Abramovich arrived Newcastle United have not been champions of England since 1927 there's a fervour amongst Newcastle fans now to be more successful but questions again need to be asked in the same way they should have been asked about Chelsea Uh, on the footballing side Lee Mm. put yourself back as being a player you're in the dressing room you know there have been major world events that have occurred occurred whilst you were playing do you have Chelsea players are not claiming to be victims in this situation but it's clearly a challenge to be a Chelsea player at the moment what's your reading of it well it's a unique situation obviously we're going through unprecedented times um, certainly with what's going on in in the Ukraine um, and all our thoughts go out there and, and I'm sure all the players thoughts do it that your mind wanders to world events you the Chelsea players are in a u- unique situation because their club his assets have been frozen it's their their owner um, that's been sanctioned I think from a dressing room point of view you get lots of problems going on players are like no other works environment where you get different types of characters, personalities, and you react to different things in different ways. So the dressing room is no different. There'll be players in there that their form will be affected by this, and it's all right saying, well, just go out and play. It's not that easy. There's all sorts going on. And I think the senior players in the dressing room are very, very important at this stage. But some of the senior players might not be able to cope with what's going on. They might be affected. Their form might be affected. So it's important that the players remind themselves of what's going on, how they're feeling, share all that feelings before the game. They've got to go out there. They're the ones that got to go out and play the 90 minutes. Mm. And I think from their point of view now, you're in a position where their owner, and it's don't bite the hand that feeds you, it's very difficult for the player, the Chelsea players, to express probably how they're feeling when Roman was here. And you might, rightly or wrongly, they're playing for Chelsea Football Club, they're getting on with the game. Now all of a sudden the owner's not there. He's, he, he's, he's not in charge. And we, me and Graham were talking about this the other day, about how would you feel as a player now? Would you be, in a, would, would a, would you be a bit more free in your, in your um, expression of what's going on in the Ukraine, politically or football-wise expressing that? Would you be more vocal? Would you be more vocal going out on the pitch with, I don't know, T-shirts or whatever it is? And it's, so it's a completely different mm. dressing room than it was a week ago. So that we're interested in what goes on in, in an hour's time with the football. When we get back to the football, we'll be able to see that. And it does affect players, there's no doubt about that. And also, thoughts about all the staff, the members of staff at Chelsea who are going yeah. through things, their salaries are going to be affected, all of that type of stuff. It's a, it's a mess. It really is a mess now. now. And we're all of a sudden, in an hour's time, we'll be going, all right, let's get on with the game of football. It's, it's crazy times. Yeah, we'll be arguing over a VAR decision in an hour and a half time, potentially. <laughs> Graham, you, you had two spells at this football club. You know a lot of people behind the scenes. It always takes you about an hour to get to the gantry because you're chatting to people that you know. That's any ground, by the way. <laughs> That's, yes, most grounds. What, what have you made of the atmosphere well, here today? It's subdued and people are are concerned you know in the end we look at things from our own perspective if you're worried about your paycheck at the end of the week because of what's happened that's reasonable that's not undermining the tragedies we're seeing every day on our television screens Mm -hmm. that's your real life experience on a day-to-day basis so it's absolutely fair that people that work at the club um, feel affected by it and are worried about it Mm. Um, I think it's an opportunity for the club to pull away from from the connection between um, the owner who's sanctioned and and what goes forward, and that's on a daily basis. There's an opportunity for them to to stand with the people of Ukraine, be vocal about it if they if they feel that way, and have the freedom 
to do so. Um, and that can be the start of whatever happens in the future. And as David Ornstein said, this is things are changing on a, on a daily and hourly basis. Mm-hmm. But in the longer term, we have to look at how we allow certain um, organisations or structures by British football clubs. And, and, and we have to focus our minds on that and getting that right. And that's down to the stakeholders in the game, the governance of the game, the Premier League, the Football Association, how they sort that out. Um, but it's also a government um, uh, a process as well, where they have to set the standards of what we expect or what they expect of investment in this country. And that has to be done as a direct result of, of everything that we're tragically seeing happen um, on a daily basis. To my left, this Robbie over mm-hmm. here. Your first reaction now to the win that was the ninth <clears throat> in 11 games for Arsenal. The, this is a totally different Arsenal. It's a totally different Arsenal, the one that we've seen for many seasons before. Um, one that used to try and play out from the back painfully, trying to find a way to play out. They don't do that. Second half, I'm watching the game and I'm like, this Arsenal, this version of Arsenal, is so much about attack. Rob said it at half time, they're fun to watch. Well, they're fun to watch because they want to attack. There's no steady, slow build-up from the back or even the midfield. It's all about getting those players in the little pockets between lines and playing the ball forward. Fullbacks getting forward. Odegaard getting forward. I mean, some of the football in the second half was, was sparkling. Sparkling football with the, with the Olays and stuff. Um, so different to what Arsenal fans have had to endure, Paul, with different managers in different seasons. And I know it's, you know, they've still got a long way to go to, for top four. But if all the teams, Rob, challenging it for that spot, they look the best right yeah. now. And right now, good times look like they're coming back to Arsenal Football Club. And you have to go back to the great Arsene Wenger with the type of football, with the joy that's around the football club, with the way they played. There's a couple of things I just wrote down. There was, there was a period in the second half where Mikel Arteta was going like this to his players, like, calm down. And, and it's part of learning that game management is now going to be an important thing. We're 2-0 up. We can keep the ball and we don't have to play. Every time we, we go forward, we don't have to score. There's an experience, there's a confidence and there's an ability about this group. Five straight win, wins on the bounce. They are absolute favourites for that fourth spot. And bringing Champions League football back to Arsenal will be huge for the manager and this group of players. Gunners in control start to finish. They win against Leicester 2-0. to nil. A game of missed opportunity for Premier League leaders Manchester City. Countless opportunities for City to extend their lead at the top of the table, but they just could not get it done. Great result for Palace, clinching a point against the champions. So this is how things stand at the top of the table. City lead over Liverpool, just four points. Nil-nil at full time between Palace and Man City. So great disappointment for Pep Guardiola and his team. Chaps, uh, Robbie. The amount of missed opportunities here is so disappointing for Man City. It is, and this is the story, and this is the best one. Bernardo Silva, number 20, score. Sweep it in, first time. I mean, he's trying to take around the goalkeeper there. So difficult, and this was the story of the game. Missed opportunities, very, very close. Uh, I think this was offside, actually, Danny, but they just couldn't get the ball over the line. No, they couldn't. They did everything right just to that final pass, and this one, this is probably the closest one. Bernardo Silva must be thinking he's making it 1-0. And then Laporte... He just loses sight of the ball and doesn't get enough on it. But that was a story for Manchester City and one of the problems. Liverpool have been able to chase them down. Yeah, Pep Guardiola with his head, hand in his head at that moment. So disappointed. Well, here's what's ahead for the two title contenders in the coming weeks. Liverpool visit Arsenal on Wednesday as they try to get within one point of the champions. Both teams then face relegation candidates on April 2nd before the big one at the Etihad. Liverpool at City in what could be a title decider. Pep, how did you see it in the end tonight? Well, we, we played a really, really good game. Uh, create a lot of chances, especially in the first half. Uh, difficult side, defend really well, tight, and they were with the rhythm. And uh, yeah, we played a really good game. You created so much in the first half. Did you look to try and change anything at half time, or was the message more of the same, please? No, we did continue the same. <laughs> so patient, no concede, and we'll have our chances. We had it, we could not convert, sometimes happen. Second half, did you consider making any changes of personnel or did you always believe that what you had out there would, would see the job? They were playing find good. A yeah, I thought a lot to make some changes, but uh, they were playing good. And I was, the guys were inside, <coughs> have the ability to score a goal. But um, yeah, at the end we play more and more the motion, they defend and with their people, 
but uh, yeah, we. Uh, I think they, they were playing good. Mm. How hard did Palace make it for you tonight? In all honesty, do you feel? Well, we didn't, we didn't score. That was the reason why not the Crystal Palace. So, in terms of what you want to achieve this season, how do you see this result tonight? Well, nine games still, many games to play. Uh, I know we have to, yeah, win a lot of games, but the way we played. There's no, no regrets about the team. I would prefer to win, of course, but uh, but the game was was well played. You're pleased with the performance. Was it difficult to feel anything other than disappointment, given where we are in the season and the fact that you dominated the game tonight? We played to win the game, so we create more, we concede few. The stats are there. The way we played was amazing in the difficult stadium with the grass not perfect, and we were we were there all the time without the ball, so. We did a good game. Will you use the outcome of tonight to reinforce the message to your players of just how tough and what's needed to win this league? We don't need to draw here to know it. Thanks for your time. Very well. Patrick, pleased? Yes, please. Um, he was uh, he was hard. It was uh, a difficult game, of course. That is what he was expected. But I was really pleased with the players because we work hard, we work well, we defended well, and um, and we created a couple of uh, situations, a couple of chances. But I'm really happy with um, with the team spirit and our organisation today. You had to ride your luck a little bit, but I think any team that gets something from a game against City generally needs a little bit of luck. When you play against uh, against City, you have to concede chances, and it's all about having your luck of the day uh, on the day. But it's about, as well, um, putting a shift as a team. And I think we did it today. The luck just didn't just came out, came out like that. We, we fight for the luck and, um, and we, get, uh, we get the points and, and we are happy with, uh, with the performance. What pleased you most about the performance? I'm sure there's lots of things, but anything in particular? Yeah, it's about uh, the way we manage the game. It's about um, defending well as a team and... Um, at time during the season, we, we struggled when we were in our difficult period in the game. But today, in the difficult period, we stick together. We've been defending well. And uh, in the end, they didn't score goals. They have a couple of chances, yes. But you expect those chances when you play against City. They had a quite a lot of chances. But did belief grow as the game went on and it was still nil-nil? Because you had some chances as well. Yeah, we had some chances. And uh, it was that kind of feeling that... Uh, you can score one and just win the game one nil. But um, I'm, I'm happy with the draw. Uh, the performance, I think, was really good. All the players work hard, work well. And um, the team performance today deserves a lot of credit. You've had a lot of credit for the attacking play that you've brought to Palace. But how much satisfaction do you take from two clean sheets against Manchester City? But this is the, the, the part of the game that we have to, to learn and to be more consistent if we want to be a, a better team. Uh, it's not just about having the ball. Especially when you play against City, you know that you're not going to dominate the possession. You need to put your sleeve up and defend well and work hard. And today we did it and we did it as a team and we get the points and I'm really pleased with that. Just finally, it's only a point, but given who it's against, how big does that feel? And how good shape does it put you into for the FA Cup game? No, it's all about you know, building that confidence and playing against City and not conceding a goal is always positive. And... Uh, you know, there is a lot of positiveness to take uh, to, uh, to the FA Cup game. Uh, but today we, we run a lot. We work, uh, we work quite really hard. So we will have a couple of days to, to prepare that game. Well done today. Thank you. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings, weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. Bye for now.